0: Welcome to Star with Substance, a podcast by the Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. plus a few bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion. Join us for discussion with industry insiders, tips, and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion. Welcome to episode 10. It officially feels like autumn now. The leaves are turning, I'm getting pelted with acorns by cheeky squirrels, I have a cold, as you can probably hear, and it's wool week. Yes, this week the Campaign for Wool is celebrating one of the oldest, but certainly the most impressive natural fibre that we use. Last week we spoke to Hannah Fiedler about her use of alpaca, which is a really sustainable wool fibre with a low environmental impact. Today I'm joined by Debbie Luffman from Cornish outdoor brand Finisterre. With its origins as a cold water surf brand, they look to find the very best sustainable fabrics to keep you warm and dry when you find yourself surfing off the Cornish coast. Having tried it myself, I know that the water can be insanely cold. As the company's product director, Debbie works with all sorts of fabrics, but wool is her favourite. As with linen, which we discussed in episode 8, wool has a lot of amazing attributes that make it sound really techie and man-made, not natural and environmentally friendly. Debbie talks about wool's amazing qualities, as well as the inspiring story of a dying breed of Merino sheep brought back from the brink to thrive in Devon. I also find out what makes Merino so special, especially in the UK. Debbie and the wider team at Finisterre are dedicated to deepening their knowledge and understanding of wool fibre, and how to produce it more mindfully across their supply chains. When we know the amazing journey that a wool jumper goes on, it helps us to truly understand the value we should all be placing in our clothes. I hope you enjoy my chat with Debbie, and as always, please subscribe and leave us a review. Hi Debbie, thank you for joining me today. Hello, lovely to be here. So you are speaking to us today from Finisterre, and I wanted to speak to you a bit more about Wool Week, which is a campaign that Finisterre supports. but can you just start by telling us what your role is at Finister and um and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely no problem so um I've been at Finisterre now for just over for- tw- about twelve years. Um, and I'm the product director, at the brand. So that basically means I look after anything really to do with product. So that is the um, sort of the taking it from a sort of 2D concept through to uh, getting it out to the customer. So that's the design, the development, the buying, uh, the sourcing and the positive and negative impacts really of what we do trying to manage that. So, um, yeah, anything product related.
0: Okay so do you have an average day? I'm, I'm guessing your days are probably quite varied but can can you talk us through what, what your days are like?
1: Yeah absolutely so um, no there's definitely no such thing as an average day. Um, Monday probably looks a little bit more like um, sort of retailers up and down the country perhaps with very much a, a focus on looking at previous week's trades and looking at the week to come, making sure the team you know, know, know what's happening across the business and sort of raring to go. So Monday perhaps is, is a bit more average but I would say as you know really my, my role across the week is to work with my team to lead the team um, at Finisterre um, in order to do their jobs so gone to the days when I would do the designing um, and do all of the the buying and the purchase orders so I've got a fantastically talented and committed team um, that do, do all of that much better than I ever did um, but really it's about trying to push to make the best possible product that we can um, and understanding what our impact is that's really what I, what I head up um, and that can be uh, trade shows, which at the moment are very much virtual because of COVID-19, work quite well because we're down in Cornwall. So it's quite, quite nice. Don't need to travel as much. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of sourcing, um, a lot of um, textile developments. And as well as that, it's a lot of manufacturing development. So working across our supply chain to just to make sure they sort of understand what, what we want and to grow and to learn together really so a lot around a lot around sourcing a lot of numbers um so sort of planning production and growth yeah incredibly incredibly varied far too many meetings but yeah never dull and never the same
0: it sounds like a a huge role. I honestly don't know how you would how you would get around to doing all of those things, but I'm I'm sure you do. <laughs>
1: um, so, you need to talk specific? <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, I'm definitely not gonna take um take the brayer. I've got as I said, the team we've really really grown the team over the last decade. So um yeah I, I it would be remiss of me not to um give a huge shout out for an t- incredibly talented and committed team.
0: I'm sure they're hearing you. (laughs) So we're here to talk about Wool Week. Can can you explain what Wool Week is and why
1: Finisterre are a part of it? In 2010, um, the campaign for wool was launched, which is basically, it's it's about promoting wool and why it's such a fantastic fibre, both from a a technical point of view, from a usability point of view, an emotional point of view, a sustainable point of view, is really about saying, you know, actually, do you realise how incredible this this fibre is, and how how many applications it can be used in. And I think it was very much born out of a sort of a misunderstanding of of why wool has so many incredible benefits so we you know in the last 50 years um, the rise of synthetic fibers um, has hugely rivaled wool in in a a global nature that it's it's you know it's a lot more expensive and it's sort of squished I suppose um, that wool within the global market so the campaign for wool was is a global network of wool growers you know, it's about promoting um, wool, basically. And Wool Week is this brilliant celebratory event where everybody that is a key player in either growing, promoting, making, or selling wool has this, you know, this sort of week where we focus collectively. On promoting its benefits, and there've been some fantastic events over the last decade. We've been involved in it since since um, it, its inception in 2010, where in Savile Row there were there were sheep up and down um, Savile Row. We took the, um, the Beaumont flock, which I'm sure I'll come on to talk about shortly, um, up to Savile Row. It was all. I do um,
0: remember hearing about that. Someone told me. Did you know that there are sheep on Savile Row?
1: Yeah. And I thought. That is, that's bizarre. (laughs) Great, I think that's what was so fantastic and and why, what's so brilliant about the campaign for Wool and Wool Week is that it is about this sort of surprising event and and Wool is surprising. I think when you really sit down and explain why Wool is such an incredible fibre... People are shocked. They didn't realise it. They didn't, you know, they didn't actually understand what what wool was about. So for me, the sort of surprising nature of Wool Week is what's so clever about it. So whether it's turfing out Savile Row, or I was also involved in a, a, a ride around London where we were all wearing wool. Um there's been some, you know, fantastic events which, you know, they're very much sort of pressworthy, um, but they're also just about sort of the everyday consumer engaging with the benefits um of wool.
0: So wool week this, this year is online, understandably. So we won't we won't be seeing any sheep being driven down Savile Row, I'm I'm guessing. So what what are you guys what do you have planned for Wool Week this year?
1: So as as always, Finisterre supports Wool Week across our stores. So our retail stores have now all um, reopened, which which is fantastic. So we will be getting behind the events with uh, there'll be in-store POS um, promoting the campaign for Wool and Wool Week. Um, there's also care guides about how to get the best out of wool um, and the sort of promotion of why wool is great so it will we will be sort of echoing uh, the activation events of wool week we've also created a stu- with the student competition we ran just before uh, lockdown we initiated a student competition with the campaign for wool working with um, nottingham Trent University to design a, a a product basically to celebrate the 10th year of uh, the campaign for wool. Um, and the winning uh, student Ashira Mella um, designed a sock which was made out of recycled wool, um, and we are developing it uh, to knit it with a degradable nylon as well, with the ambition of making it the lowest impact um, circular sock. Which um, has been the sample has been knitted by Ladkin's uh, hosiery in loughborough where we where we knit our socks as well, so it's a really fun opportunity to take the benefits of wool um, really into the university where you know the next generation need to understand why wool is is such a fantastic fiber as well, so a few different things I guess um, Finister are involved with as always, as well as. Um, We've got a huge amount of wool in our collection, a huge amount across, particularly across our knitwear. But we also have a recycled wool fleece, um, which we are launching uh, today, in fact. Um, So, yeah, a huge amount of wool, as always, across uh, the brand and a huge amount of love for wool (laughs) across the brand.
0: It sounds like it. Those socks sound amazing. I'm always on the lookout for some good quality wool socks because the the cheap ones, they just wear down so quickly and it seems like such a waste.
1: Well, we have, I mean, a huge amount of um, socks, British socks, currently anyway so in terms of the um the the student competition that's um we have just at sample stage at the moment so we're developing towards the recyclable sock for hopefully for next year you know we do have a huge amount of beautifully crafted british socks in our current range the kelson is the kind of walking sock one of our best sellers and um and you're absolutely right in terms of just having that kind of go-to sock you don't have to wash it as much you definitely can darn it and look after it
0: So can you tell us a bit more about why wool is such an incredible fibre? I mean, you've just been talking about how much you guys love it, but I think that it has a lot of surprising properties that a lot of people maybe aren't so aware of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think really what sort of drove Finisterre to be interested in in wool as a fibre in the early days. So um, Finisterre started in 2003, and it was very much um, a cold water surf brand in its sort of initiation. So it was about really how can you get warm and comfortable as quickly as possible after getting out of the, the frigid sea, basically. You know, no, November in Cornwall in the ocean is, is not the same view as the sort of the June, July beaches that, you might, that a lot of people who come to Cornwall imagine. So we had this incredible testing ground at the beginning of Finisterre, where we were really developing products built to last, but built to work. You know, on on the spot, really. You know, we were we were looking at how can we find fibers that insulate, um, that are soft, that are easy to glide over the skin particularly when you've just climbed out of a wetsuit, so your skin is is clammy and salty and cold. And actually, it was really sort of trial and error that that sort of led us to wool, Um, as well as a lot of reading around, you know, explorers and skiing. You know, there's a huge amount of technical um, sports apparel that uses wool. So we were really interested in, in, you know, what is it about this fibre? And then the more we we used it practically and developed it, um, we really got to experience its benefits beyond sort of you know, reading it. Um, and so one of the, the great things about wool is its softness. Um, it's extremely soft, so it does glide over over your skin, which is which is particularly great once you've got out the sea. Um, it's naturally insulating, so it will if you are cold, it will insulate. It has incredible thermal dynamics. So that equally if you are working hard, so if you're hiking or running, cycling, wool is equally fantastic because it, it will it's also incredibly breathable um and cooling, so it will wick sweat away as well. So it's this sort of It sounds, when you read the properties of wool, it sounds like a very technical fibre. People are really surprised that it's just wool. You know, they think, oh, it must be some sort of new future fibre. Actually, it's one of the oldest fibres um, (laughs) of all time. So it has, um, as well as it being breathable, insulating and cooling, um, it's also extremely antibacterial, naturally. Again, so... It means if you are taking wool on a on a trip, great for travel, obviously great for sports and sort of you know, high performance um, sports. It means you don't have to wash it as often, you know. Which actually, from a trip point of view, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, it's just got so many some technical benefits that really work for us as a brand, as an outdoor brand. Um, but also on top of that, Finisterre is absolutely driven and has been since two thousand and three. At, our, um, at the beginning of the brand, by uh, minimizing our environmental impact. So, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this a lot, no doubt. But, yeah, it's an incredibly sustainable fiber as well. It's, it's natural, it's renewable, it's recyclable, and in the right situation, it's also compostable. So, it's sort of, you know, this perfect fiber um, but it it almost sounds too good to be true because it's you know it is one of the oldest fibers I could go on but I should probably stop there (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm fascinated it's fine
0: anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to things like that so I'm, I'm always really interested to hear about amazing natural fibers especially and you're right it sounds so technical but it's it's natural. We don't need to be creating all of these man-made synthetic fabrics necessarily, because there are a lot of natural ones out there that do the trick. So you mentioned a little bit before about the Beaumont flock that you, well, sorry, not you personally, but that was driven down Savile Row for a, a previous wool week. So the Beaumont flock is its pretty special. I've been having a little look at your website and learning a little bit more about them but can you tell us more about the project uh, when did you when did you guys get in, involved with the Beaumont flock
1: so yeah it's a really really long long story so it's actually just before I joined Finisterre um, so I joined Finisterre in 2008 before that I was I was in, in in fashion I was in London so a very different career path um, and I came down to Finisterre because um one of my best friends was the then designer, so I came to join and and have some fun, and he started to so his name is uh, Tom, Thomas Podkolinski. He started to talk to me about the idea of British merino, and you know did such a thing exist and I started to sort of learn about merino on the job, I guess. And they had just made contact just before I arrived with a farmer based in Devon, so you know, really not very far away from us in Cornwall. Um and they were about to go and meet their first meeting to discuss, you know, could could this be um, an option for Finisterre to use the fleece from her sheep? We went to go and meet um Leslie Pryor in Devon. Sure enough, she had a flock of um of Beaumont sheep. And she talked us through what what that means, what are are the Beaumont sheep. So the the Beaumont is the actual breed behind Beaumont flock is a cross between a Saxon merino. um, So you get the super fine fibre of of a Saxon merino crossed uh, with a Shetland, which is a much more hardy, it can sort of withstand the the weather of the British Isles much better than the sort of classic merino, which is more used to the, the, the wide open pastures and, and more mild weather of um of Australia and New Zealand. So this incredible breed had, had been you know had it from a crossbreed. Um she had rescued um essentially the, the last of the flock from a, a trial, a Scottish trial, which had the, of so the funding was cut. It was not perceived to have been a success. So she managed to literally rescue just before the abattoir, quite frankly, um, the, the Beaumont, the last existing Beaumont. And she has now bred that flock uh, to, to over 200 sheep. Um, so
0: how, sorry, how many did she rescue
1: then? I think there was, I think it was something like eight. It was less than 10.
0: So, so they were the last ones in the UK and after that... Love no in the
1: more. world yeah last one in the world, and the beaumont flock is is it 's the only um, British merino as well, so it 's incredibly special and unique, and we are ridiculously lucky to have created that partnership and and that relationship with Leslie back in um, just i think it was two thousand and five six when we first. Got to hear about her, and it's all down to her all the hard work. Since since then, she she's up, you know, three o'clock in the morning doing lambing, just a huge amount of work and the genetics um, of breeding and understanding how to breed a superfine merino fibre. Really, from you know, her background was not a farmer; she was not a fibre specialist, so she is. Really, quite an incredible human being can I just confirm what what
0: specifically is merino because i I just think of wool as being wool, yeah, so what what makes merino so special?
1: Great question, yeah, so really, it's about its micron count, so um you're probably more familiar with a cash with cashmere, for example, so cashmere um so it's an ultra fine fiber, so it feels incredibly soft and lofty. Um, and it's to do with the, the shape of the fibre. It's to do with the how the actual fibre. If you look under under a microscope as well, if you you'll see the actual shape of of it has it has a crimp, so a wiggle, and that also helps to give it insulation properties. It helps to give it um, stretch loft, you know, you know, again, lots and lots of, of benefits. So the merino fibre, um, it, it's not as soft as cashmere, but it also means it's a stronger fibre than cashmere. So it's more useful for the end use of, of Finisterre um, and, and more insulating in that respect. But it's super fine. So whereas you will have something like lamb's wool, you might have a sort of 25 Um, Micron lambswool jumper that will feel very scratchy to your skin. So for people who have skin irritation to wool, people people quite often say, "Oh no, I can't wear wool. You know, it makes my skin prickly." That that tends to be a higher micron lambswool, whereas actually merino, because it's super fine. Um, so it's, it's around 19 microns, that will feel a lot softer to your skin, it won't give you the same sort of prickle. Um, so it's, it's, it's great from a hypoallergenic and sensitive skin point of view. And the more that you heat up wearing wool, um, the more it's likely to prickle with something like lamb's wool. But because again, um, superfine um, merino, And because of the shape of that fiber and the lower micron count, it just makes it more suitable for high activity. You're not going to feel that same irritation. So it's it's um, yeah, it makes it a really good performance fiber um, and and a more sort of friendly fiber, I suppose, Merino. So now I know.
0: Like you were saying, you've worked quite a lot with the Beaumont Project. You also source wool from from obviously other places in the world. But why do you think that it's so important for for Finisterre to support
1: a a project like the Beaumont Project? There's quite a few strands to it, really, I think. One is um, when we first launched and started working on on the Beaumont um, Project, actually it was it wasn't about the fiber or the end product which is which is effectively a jumper it was about creating a supply chain so we had to find out once you know we had basically bales of wool and we had a, a knitwear supplier what we didn't understand was how to create you know to get a to, a to z um so we went about finding within the british isles a, a scourer a processor dyeing um spinning knitting all of that process we had to join the dots basically and what we found when we started on that journey and i should say when i say the journey i mean quite literally we went around in a, in a car across um yorkshire and bradford to, to delf um all over the place what what we realized was actually we, we knew very little we, we created wool products but actually we didn't realize what was involved So what this enabled us to do was to sort of, I suppose, unravel the supply chain and to understand what goes into creating that product and that fiber. And by doing that, we realized that there were certain um, mills and factories across the UK that had this really incredibly rich history and expertise within whether it's spinning or knitting And in some cases, they were all but dying. You know, some of them were thriving. Don't get me wrong. There's there's still an absolutely thriving British knitwear um, industry. But there were factories and and mills that we could see were really in in trouble. So for us, it was about supporting the British um, knitwear industry. But it went way beyond that. It was also about deepening our knowledge, deepening our understanding so that we can produce wool more mindfully across our supply chain. So if we are sourcing it from Australia, because of our relationship with the Beaumont project, we know the right questions to ask. We understand so much better um, the the issues um, and the the critical requirements of animal welfare, because we have such a close relationship with with a, a merino grower, with a farmer. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, it's way more, um, than, you know, it, it's more than just the products, but I think I would probably also talk for Leslie, um, prior, um, of, of the Beaumont flock fame, um, when I say she doesn't see it as, as purely British either, you know, wool is so, such a global fibre, it really is, so actually the genetics now of the Beaumont project, the the, the sheep, are um a lot of the genetics have actually been brought over from australia so she sees her flock as an incredibly global you know it, it isn't a british sheep in that respect in, in in the same way that everything we do is very much global so i didn't want to to fly a union jack over the whole project because i think yeah that would be doing li- leslie um and and the australian sort of genetics a bit of a disservice there
0: <laughs> i get that yeah that's that we need to give credit where credit's due don't we so can you tell us why wool is sometimes a little bit of a pricier product than say uh, like a, a a synthetic wool alternative
1: yeah for sure so i mean it's something that we get asked a, a lot actually at finister and i think you know there's a few there's a few parts to it really and i think actually creating a wool product um through through the Beaumont project we learned how much is involved you know there's a huge amount um, of taking that that fiber off the back of a sheep um, and then and then all the way through to turning it into a, a yarn so because of that you know you need to make sure that the animals are looked after and the people throughout the supply chain are paid paid um, fairly um, and looked after so that costs money so there is you know that I think when people think something's expensive I think it's better to, to sort of get a reality check in terms of that what that is what um, creating quality yarns and garments actually costs I think we've lost sight of the true cost of clothing but sort of second second to that I think is really about durability um, and longevity so actually if you have that that cherished jumper that you buy so if you buy you know a, a a fully fashioned beautiful piece of knitwear that's timeless uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't have that jumper for decades and decades and hand that on you No, know, that's that it's such a timeless fiber in that respect you don't have to wash it as much for all the reasons I, I outlined before that means that It can keep its shape much better. Um, It's it's much less liable to to shrink. If you look after it, you don't have to to abuse it. You don't have to wash it too much. And therefore, you can have an extremely long life from that product. But if you buy something incredibly cheap, um, something that's very fashionable, that's not going to have that emotional longevity either, and you replace it a year later with another uh, fashion product, then... I suppose I sort of question what is expensive, you know, a jumper that may have cost you a hundred pounds that you have for 40, 50 years. Actually, that's quite a low cost over its timeline.
0: Definitely. We, we talk a lot about cost per wear and about understanding the value of things. And I think that if we can keep having conversations like you and I are having and Finisterre taking part in Wool Week, etc. These are all things that, you know, the average consumer is going to see and understand more about. As you say, there's a lot involved in producing a wool jumper. There is a reason that we're charging more for it than, say, a High Street brand would. And it can be kept for a really long time. And it can also be returned to the land later on. It's not It's not mixed with synthetic fibres to, to make it go further
1: yeah
0: yeah absolutely. that's a really that's a really good point
1: and I think that's why for me the Beaumont project is is about telling stories effectively because that's how you engage with people you don't sit down and say you know this is this is how you make a wall jumper is not particularly exciting, but telling the stories behind products and telling the stories behind the supply chains. That's what's so incredible about the Beaumont project because you can engage with it and you can understand it and create an emotional connection with, with that yarn, with that product, um, which, which goes way beyond buying something um, and wearing it once.
0: Absolutely. When I read about the Beaumont project, I just, I couldn't stop telling people about it. I just thought it was so interesting. <laughs> Obviously, some people looked at me a bit strangely, but others were were equally as interested. So, yeah, it's definitely a really good story. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've learned a lot about wool and I think the Beaumont Project is a really incredible one. And, and Wool Week is, is a really incredible campaign as well. And you know, props to Finisterre for continuing to really champion natural fibres and to do what they do in a really sustainable way. I'm sure it isn't easy for you, so. <laughs> Thank you. It was so inspiring to hear about Finisterre's work with the Beaumont flock and how it continues to thrive after near extinction. All of this talk about woolly jumpers makes me want to curl up under a blanket with a hot cup of tea. I have the kettle boiling as we speak. Thanks for joining me in this is the last episode for a few weeks. I'll be taking a little break, but we'll be back with more episodes in November that I know you will love. In the meantime, we're releasing a special bonus episode in a few days that you won't want to miss. Please subscribe and leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback and suggestions and it also helps other people to find us. (music) We'll <music>